Welcome to the Remnant Podcast. I'm Paula. And I'm Carrie. And we are going to do something a little different again tonight. We have a special guest tonight, and her name is Tiffany Parker. Welcome, Tiffany. Yay, Tiffany. We're so excited you're here. Thank yes. So, Tiffany um, and Carrie, you all met, right? Yes, ma'am. So, Carrie, can you tell us how you all met? You want to know a story, Paula? Yes, of you course know. I want to know a story. <laughs> okay. Well, let me tell you a story. No, actually, I was asked by a hospital system to speak at one of their emergency preparedness um, conferences in Austin. I believe it was Austin. Was it Austin? Mm-hmm. So, I went down there, and actually, the backstory on this is I wasn't going to go um, because I had so much going on, and I had come off a night shift, And, like, literally, I got home at, like, 3 a.m., and I had to be there, like, by, like, late morning. So I slept, like, two hours. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. And I drove down there and literally didn't stop, did my lecture, which was, like, about an hour lecture. And to be honest, it wasn't a huge crowd. Like, I remember Tiffany and, like, where she sat. It was, like, not a big crowd at all. And was going to leave and literally drive all the way home, um, and that was going to be my day. And I walk out and I'm like ready to leave. And Tiffany comes up to me with her laptop and she has these pictures of like tattoos and human trafficking stuff and um, stuff about pedophilia, all of this stuff that was like related to human trafficking. And she's like, hey, listen, I want you to see what I've been working on. And um, I'm really interested in this. And I'm also doing some education and was just like, wow. So our worlds just kind of collided. I think we met a couple weeks later and um, like she's she's the girl. She's a girl for the job. And so she's been with Reclaim for the last several months, and she's going to tell more about herself. I'll let her do that. Um, so, yeah, that's how we met. It's actually uh, just out a year. We met one year ago oh my gosh, about this week. <laughs> wow. So she's taking me out to dinner for our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's it. right. That's right. <laughs> so you drove to Austin to meet Tiffany, who lives where? Also in Dallas. Yeah. Just down the road from Carrie. <laughs> and we were at the same hospital system at the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Literally. So, yeah, we drove all the way there to meet, and that was pretty much it. I didn't talk to anybody else at that conference. Tiffany was literally it, and um, then drove all the way home. So, Tiffany, when Carrie was speaking at the conference, what did you think? Well, I had just been, so I was working for the police department for the hospital system that we both worked for, and I'd been tasked with educating the nurses um, at the hospital, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with nurses, but they don't take too kindly to other people that aren't nurses. Uh, So when she started talking and she introduced herself as a nurse, I didn't really hear anything after that except for, I'm a nurse and I do human trafficking education, repeated over and over and over again, so I couldn't get up and get to her fast enough at the end of the presentation because I'd found somebody that could take over my job of educating nurses for me. So it was really great to uh, meet a nurse that spoke their language because you can't just, it's you know, as a firefighter, you can't invite somebody in that's not a firefighter and expect people to listen to them. So it was great to hear that there was a nurse that was already with our system that was in a human trafficking too. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. So, um, I am from northern Arizona, where I worked as a structural and wildland firefighter for the last 10 years. I have a dual bachelor's degree and a dual master's degree in uh, various areas of uh, homeland security and emergency management. In 2017, I was asked to 
uh, come to Dallas to work for the city of Dallas as their training and exercise coordinator. Uh, while I was there, I hosted some of the bi- biggest exercises that Texas has ever seen. Uh, that is when I started getting into human trafficking education um, as I was finishing my master's in Homeland Security. And then uh, the hospital system that we met at asked me to come over, work for the police department, and do education on human trafficking and uh, counterterrorism. And that's where I'm at. So um, would you say that your interest in human trafficking, did it come because of the education, or was it something else that sparked your interest in it? So my um, interest actually started out with counterterrorism. So I, I started to really get into terror cells and, you know, what motivates them and where they get their funding from. And it turned out that human trafficking is where they get their a lot of their funding from. And that's where I got into the world of human trafficking. Wow. Wow. And on top of all of these amazing things that Tiffany does, she also is a mom, right, Tiffany? Yes, ma'am. She has a couple kids. Yeah, just a, a few... Um, <laughs> Four girls and three boys for a total of seven beautiful children. Nice. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty amazing <laughs> all the way around. Nice. Well, thank you, Carrie. Okay, so what do you think, what do you feel people need to hear in regards to human trafficking, just from your training and from your experience? Uh, so my biggest thing is human trafficking is happening right under your nose. You are in the mix of human trafficking, whether you want to be or not. Um, you're, you are right in the center of it, and it doesn't matter how much we close our eyes and pretend it isn't happening. It's happening to somebody you know. Okay. And so you said you worked as a firefighter. I did. And then you switched to the police side. Yes, don't tell anybody that little secret. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that work for you, like? What, what, how did you make the switch? Uh, so emergency management was my transition from fire to law enforcement and obviously my degree as well. I'm not a law enforcement officer. I just work for them and with them. Uh, I do a lot in incident command, which is um, huge in the fire service if you know anything about fire, uh, fire, firefighters. But it's not a big thing in law enforcement. And they were trying to transition their law enforcement to know incident command better. So it was perfect to bring a firefighter in who spoke their language, sort of, and get them in there to educate them on um, incident command. So it was really a God thing for me. I mean, you don't transition to fire and into law enforcement and, you know, they welcome you with open arms. But, you know, God was working on it way before I was. And they really did. They welcomed me with open arms. And that's how it transitioned. Okay. So now we know about your professional career. We know about how you and Carrie met. We know about your um, integration into human trafficking. So tell us about you. What's your story? Oh, my. (laughs) Uh, So um, I have a long, very long story. If you really want to get into the down and dirty of it, I did write a book Uh, that I published in April that you can read that it really talks about my story. But um, I was raised by a single mom who uh, battles intense uh, mental illnesses, anything from depression to uh, bipolar issues and a lot of things that stemmed from a childhood of trafficking and abuse. Uh, So being raised by her was a a whirlwind of ups and downs, you know, different men in our lives, uh, different scenarios. My mom tried to kill herself uh, twice while I was living at home, 
When I was 15, my brother was murdered, which sent my mom into a depression that she really didn't come out for several years. Uh, when I was 16, I was married off by my stepdad. For my mom, it was a way of protecting me. I had been abused as a child several times and, and raped, and it was always um, considered my fault. So for my mom, me getting married was a way to protect me, but for my stepdad, it was a way to get me out of the house so that he didn't have to deal with me anymore. Uh, so I got married at 16, uh, had two beautiful children out of that, and then at 19, I decided that wasn't who I was. I wasn't somebody that was going to sit down in the background and not make a lot of noise. So I left and I was homeless for years while I, well, for a year while I worked my way um, in an ice cream shop, um, worked my way through my EMT program. I working in an ice cream shop the day I graduated. I uh, booked a flight to, to um, where did I work? Alabama. I <laughs> booked a flight to Alabama, worked with the BP oil spill, and um, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah, wow. I remember we were sitting in a Mexican restaurant, right? <laughs> Little's hole And I was just getting to know Tiffany, and she just started telling me more of her story. And I, well, you know me, I was like fighting tears. <laughs> Don't laugh, Paula. Um, I was just like, wow. Like, you just truly never know someone's story, you know? And just how amazing um, of... A story she has and her book, which is called what, Tiffany? Uh, Whispered Like Wildfire. You can find yes. it on Amazon. I think I read it in 24 hours. <laughs> I was so into it. Yeah. So definitely highly recommend um, just somebody who has literally fought her way from very hard positions and places some people never climb out of and um, is doing all the things she does now. So it's really amazing. And I'm actually really interested for you to share if you don't mind a little bit about how human trafficking has kind of touched you and your family um, because you definitely mentioned that child abuse um, and being molested as a child. And I think there's lots of vulnerabilities there and, and you've had your eyes wide open because of things that you've been through, but you've also seen it within your family um, in, in the aspect of kind of grooming towards trafficking. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when I mentioned earlier, the one thing I want people to know is that it's happening under your nose. I mean, I educate human trafficking. That's you know, something I do for a living. If anybody knows human trafficking, I really feel like it's me. And so I didn't feel like it could happen to my family. I'll tell you two stories. Uh, the one of them is not directly related to me. It was my nephew who was being groomed on a, a video game website. So um, on this video game platform, there are options for you to do private chats, and then there are options for you to buy different skins on this video game that cost actual money. Uh, so my nephew is uh, the, the son of a cousin of mine who battles a lot of uh, substance abuses and in and out of jail, has several boyfriends, and so he was looking for somebody to pay attention to him and um, a groomer preyed on that vulnerable vulnerability of my nephew and uh, started buying him those skins on that game boy or on that that game platform and and chatting with him and you know saying that he was a, a kid about his age and they became they became friends and then it started you know him telling him well you shouldn't tell people about us because go ahead Oh, you know, you shouldn't tell people about us because, you know, they would think it was weird. They wouldn't understand. So, you know, you should just you should just keep it a secret between us. And then um, 
How old was your nephew at the time? My nephew was 11 years old. Okay. So, and this is, again, a little boy. It's, you know, a common misconception that human trafficking only happens to girls. Uh, So this is an 11-year-old little boy who needed somebody, and a trafficker, I mean, he fell right into the snares. So uh, this trafficker got to the, they got to the point where my nephew felt comfortable with this person. They had um, had a relationship for months at this point. So another thing you need to understand is it's not a snatch and go for human traffickers. They are very, very patient, far more patient than any of us are. And they will sit and pray as long as they need to, whether it's three days, three months, or three years, they will, they will take the time to groom somebody. So about three months into it, my nephew asked this person for the money to buy a skin, and the groomer told him that um, in return he would have to send him pictures of his genitalia. And so, you know, my nephew being the vulnerable child that he is, he did. Uh, Luckily for my family, he sent it on a school platform uh, through a school email, which caused a red flag for the school. It automatically flags, school looked at it, and then law enforcement got involved, and that's how I got involved. So that's my first story with human trafficking. But a little closer to home is my daughter, who is also 11 years old, or was at the time. Uh, she was at the same point where she was you know, a little vulnerable. In that age, you're, you're kind of trying to figure out who you are. Uh, so she was lonely. She is the smack dab middle of all my kids. So everybody's got a friend except for, in her eyes, except for her. So she made friends with a little boy on Instagram and they were building a relationship, and it was a little boy that lived in Europe, and, you know, they shared great things together, and it turned out to be a man in our own uh, area just down the road from us that was preying on my daughter. So I'm not, it's not just saying something when I tell you that it's happening under your nose. I mean, I educate on human trafficking. I tell my kids to watch out for it all the time, and she watches out for it, and lo and behold, she was talking to a predator, somebody that was, you know, lying in wait, trying to groom my daughter. So that's really, I mean, you know, educationally, yeah, I know a lot about it, but I've seen it with my own two eyes happening to my own children. And what platform was that again? That was on Instagram. Yeah, I feel like all your listeners need to hear that because, you know, Instagram is kind of, quote, safe in a lot of people's minds, don't you think? I don't think that's one that people really flag as being... Um, a potential. So I just needed to point that out. You know, that one and uh, the, I know YouTube, YouTube's a big one for human trafficking, but there's a YouTube for children that people are like, well, I don't let my kids on YouTube. I only let them on the children's YouTube. Well, in my last presentation on human trafficking, I actually had a woman come up and her two-year-old child is sitting on her lap watching this children's YouTube when somebody sent her an inappropriate picture through the chat on children's YouTube and was trying to get, you know, relationship going, not understanding that this was a two-year-old sitting on her, or it was either her mother or grandmother's lap. So social media, I mean, it doesn't matter how safe you think it is. If there's an opportunity for a predator to get in and talk to your child, they are getting in and they are talking to your child. Yeah. Do you think, I know this is kind of off the cuff, but maybe the top five social media platforms what would you say that you've kind of done your research on that are probably the most common? So your top two, I mean, without, I mean, far surpass any other of the other three, but are um, Snapchat and TikTok. So I know there's a lot of things going on on TikTok right now about the government stealing your, your identity or whatever it is. I'm not even remotely worried about that. I'm more worried about the fact that they are selling and prostituting children's on TikTok, uh, children on TikTok. 
So that is their number one platform. Um, we do have some victims that we work with that'll tell you that that's their number one platform for selling kids is TikTok. And then the second one is you are five steps away from uh, viewing pornography on Snapchat. So every day when I open my Snapchat, I've got all the settings to block everybody on my Snapchat. Every day I, I open it, I have a new request from somebody that is, you know, either a prostitute, somebody being trafficked, or somebody looking, you know, t- to trade inappropriate pictures. So those are by two my 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 top or by far my top two uh, for parents to really watch out for. The next after that would be your Instagram, uh, Facebook, and then um, really I'd say any video game platform after that. Um, there are things like Meet Me and all of the, you know, Bumble and Tinder and all of the dating apps that are obviously you're opening yourself up to a trafficker by giving them that information, showing them pictures and, and all that private information. But those are really my top five. I mean, social media, I, mean, I feel like it's like a whole like two hour topic just itself, don't you think? There's just so much about social media and just being cautious and all the things to look for. And, you know, um, I appreciate you just naming a couple of those. I know we could talk about it for a long time. <laughs> I feel like you could tell me any social media platform and I could tell you something wrong with it. So I definitely think it's something that you can, I mean, just Google it. You can Google it. There's people that have done research and have it out on the internet on what's safe, what's not safe and how to make social media safe for your kids. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. I want to go back to something you mentioned about your daughter. Sure. Um, how did you all find out that this person was a trafficker? Like, how did you find out? Uh, So we started talking to this person. My husband works uh, for the the city, so he has access to law enforcement, who actually his best friend is the police chief. So my husband was a fire chief. He's a police chief. And uh, people don't get a lot away with a lot with, you know, my husband being best friends with the police chief. So um, she started to exhibit the same signs as my nephew or other children that are trafficking, you know, kind of heen and hawing about who this person is she talked to. Uh, when we asked to see a picture, she couldn't show me a picture of this child. And, and those are really, I mean, the red flags just started going up left and right. It wasn't a overnight thing. It was, you know, kind of a couple times of her talking. First of all, we don't let her talk to people she doesn't know on there. But once we found out it was somebody she didn't know, you know, kind of taking the steps of, where do they live? You know, show me a picture of them. And as those fl- red flags popped up, that was enough for me to go, all right, let's let's investigate it. And then they pinged the phone to that area. And as soon as the person found out that we knew, same like my nephew's groomer, I mean, they were instantly off that social media platform. Gotcha. So you would say if, if another parent suspected the same thing was going on with their child, what would you tell them? I would tell them to get them off that social media. Uh, first of all, if you address a groomer and tell them that you know what they're doing, they're instantly going to get off the internet. And that's just the safest way for them. They can easily get an I- another IP address and you know pop up somewhere else and stalk somebody else. So uh, tell the groomer you know what they're doing or that they're not, you know, that they aren't going to get to your child and then get your child off that social media platform. There are things that you can do to make social media safe for your kids. You just have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to take the time to do those things for your kids and uh, really pay attention to what they're doing online. Can you take that information like you did, like your husband, the police chief, and kind of, as you said, ping the person so they know that locator? Because I would think the more you're reporting those and the more that same location keeps popping up because predators usually just find somebody else, right? 
do you think that that would be helpful in the sense of parents who might see that and go to law enforcement and say, hey, this is concerning so that they can? So what I recommend is uh, organizations like Reclaim 611 have um, private investigators that work with them. A lot of human trafficking organizations do. Uh, so you get a human trafficking organization that works with a private investigator, and that's who you reach out to. So that private investigator is going to be the one that's looking up the, that area, collecting data on the information, and then they bring they do all the footwork. They bring it to law enforcement, and that that's when law enforcement gets involved. Uh, we, you know, especially with what's going on in the world right now, they don't they're they're stretched so thin they don't have time to do the footwork. So you can go and tell them, hey, I think this is a trafficker, you know, sick them, and they won't because there's not enough room. But if you can have a private investigator get all of the details. Then they, you know, drop a stack on in front of the law enforcement, say, here's everything you need to know about this person. And then they have the opportunity to go in and investigate and do what they need to do. So that's my recommendation is is get a hold of an organization that works in human trafficking that's, uh, you know, specializes in human trafficking and get them to be a part of it with you, investigate it, and then get law enforcement involved. Yeah. Get the right person for the right job, right? Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we are going to get ready to wrap this up. So, Tiffany, I would like to keep you in the hot seat and ask you this question. What would you tell parents they can do to be more vigilant? Love your kids. Spend time with your kids. I know that sounds so stupid to say love your kids because we all love our kids, right? I have seven kids, and, you know, I, I spend more time than I need to checking their phones and checking their apps and seeing what they're doing on the internet. And man, I drive my kids nuts doing it. But that is how you keep your kids safe. You know, spend the extra 10 minutes when you're running out the door and your kid wants to show you something or tell you something, tell you something, spend a couple minutes, be late to work or don't get the latte and stop and listen to your kids. Because if you're not listening to them, a trafficker is listening to them. And, you know, you have the opportunity to decide who is going to pay attention to my children and who's going to raise my children. Is it going to be me or is it going to be a trafficker? Because one of the two of you are doing it. So make the conscious choice that that person is you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thank you, ladies. All right. Well, I'm Paula. And I'm Carrie. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at support at reclaim611.org. And you can also visit our website at www.reclaim611.org. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And we will be back again next week. Bye. Bye.